0: Thank you very much for for coming on my show. I met you what about two years ago?
1: Maybe just within two
0: years. Yes, because yeah, so you were still working then. at the gym when we met. You were doing. But that,
1: yeah, so that was last year.
0: And quite a lot's changed since then. Like just no said you. Working at the gym. you <laughs> and you've moved premises, and you've gone out on your own, and you've got a whole bunch of other stuff going on as well. So. Yeah. How did you make the transition? Because obviously working at the gym, you were employed by someone and now you've gone into your own thing. But you were dabbling in your own thing while you were still full-time employed as well. So Yeah, yeah. so
1: um, I've always been sort of... Involved in doing lots of extra things on the side. So even when I was studying towards my degree, I did my spinning instructors course mm. uh, when I was in my third year of varsity. And then when I was doing my honours, I did my sports massage qualification. And when I was doing my internship, I did my yoga instructors certification. So I started working in those fields whilst I was still studying and getting fully qualified as a biokineticist. So I continued to do that as I started to build up my own practice and client base and get more experience in the biokinetics field because I was really working part-time and on the side to make some extra money and to sort of just make ends meet, like yeah. get to, to, to bills at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, And also I enjoy it. So as much as I love my biokinetics, I also really enjoy being fit and active and sharing that by instructing people. In the exercise space, so I don't I don't instruct the spinning anymore, but I do still do the yoga.
0: How was it to make the transition from full-time employment to doing your own thing? Because you've obviously kind of phased it in, because you were building up a client base on the side. How was it when you cut the cord? <laughs> yeah, so it was.
1: It was. Um, it was really. I just had to make that that sort of break because the idea was no, let me try and build up a client base on the side with more of my sort of side businesses as well to help me along and I was never finding enough time to have enough of my own client base so it was kind of I just had to make that decision that this is my finishing point Mm. and I need to focus entirely on my own business so I wasn't really in a secure enough space in my own business to let go of the full-time employment Um, because I'd been paid commission there anyway so it was whatever patience I managed to generate for myself within that other practice that was how much money I was making so I was I basically needed to take those skills and transfer them into my own business anyway so I just had to sort of say I'm I'm no longer working at this practice and generating client base for this practice I'm gonna focus on my own business and um it wasn't as easy or smooth or comfortable as i had hoped but i don't think it ever would have been because there was um not rest- yeah restraint of trade so i wasn't i wasn't allowed to take any of the clients that i was building up there cross with me mm. so all of the patients that i needed to see i had to generate fully on my own whilst on my own. So I kind of had to be completely separated before I could start to to actually do that. So it wasn't comfortable, Mm. but it worked out okay because once I had that time to focus Mm. on generating for me, and I also felt quite restricted being in someone else's business where I wanted to market in one way and it wasn't that I wasn't allowed to market in that way within their business, but it was easier to do it when it was for my own self. So if I wanted to go to more networking meetings, or meet more doctors, or write newsletters, I was writing it in my own capacity, representing myself and not somebody else's business. And for what? For someone else's gain. So it was giving myself more time as much as obviously it would have been nice to be paid in that time, having the time Mm. to market myself in a way that represented me better, helped me establish better relationships with the clients that I was reaching out to. So making that jump made it easier to start to actually build and grow my business because up until that point it had been kind of very slow. Been consistently 20-30% to of my income for the last year and it wasn't growing because I felt limited by The fact that I was working full-time.
0: How long did it take you to actually start seeing a return? Because a lot of people like, cut the cord, do your own thing. You still have to live in the interim, so how did you make that transition? Did you have savings that you fall back on?
1: Um, I had a credit card to be be straightforward so yeah I had a a credit card one of the reasons that I was I wanted to leave the other practice was because I wasn't making enough money and Mm. I felt like I was putting in all this effort and spending so much time there but not actually getting the clients I felt because I felt restricted in the way I was able to market myself but I couldn't necessarily get more clients because I was also in a gym setting where people don't really understand biokinetics very well they think you're kind of just personal trainer or they mm. underestimate how much it's going to cost because it's a medical field and they just see yeah. oh you're in a gym why is it so expensive or they come to you for a one off but they never really stick it out whereas mm. now my personal business it's people that know that they need bio and mm. so they come they specifically come looking for you um or they've had a referral from a doctor i've, I've kind of detracted on the point um <laughs> <laughs> so how did
0: you finance yourself as you as yeah, you transitioned?
1: So in, in, the, in the recent months leading up to that point, I see a sort of decline in business and I felt frustrated by the fact that half of my money wasn't coming to me, that was going towards someone else's business and expenses and mm. I had no control over how that was being spent and not being spent in like marketing towards building me up, for yeah. example, so I felt restricted and limited. So within the first month or two, I was already matching what I'd been matching before because mm. I wasn't taking home 50%, I was taking home 100%. Mm. So that. I think made it a little bit easier as well. And then, yeah, just to cover the extra expenses and stuff was um, a credit card. Yeah, so there was like the sort of the bare minimum of how much I needed to bring in within the first two or three months. Mm. And then by six months, I was matching a good month at the previous practice. And then okay. now a year later, I am having good months all the time. So yeah. I'm matching what my best months were at the previous practice, and that's a year later. So it's taken a year for me to have like three or four back-to-back consistently good months not just barely breaking even and it's also been me learning how to manage expenses a a, a lot better the initial expenses sort of in the early days some slight expenses but I suppose that also I was building up equipment whilst I was at the other practice so one like for a year or two years even I was buying weights or bands or whatever so when I actually broke away and started my own practice officially i already had all the equipment so there wasn't really an initial outlay yeah not a, f-
0: not a setup cost yeah yeah
1: yeah so there was costs along the way but that's more of a not as much setup cost and more running expensive yeah
0: because you're also working from your home practice and so now you've actually subcontracted and you're working in a an actual practice yeah and you you were saying to me the other day that you're looking at moving and and looking at partnering with another bio to yeah. to look at your own setup it's it's only a year down the line but you seem to be Growing relatively quickly.
1: I think the three years of frustration showed me how I felt a practice should be managed for me, and it's been a lot of putting systems in place that suit me. So, like where my admin and accounting and stuff is not that strong and was sort of a frustration in the previous practice, now I've and like bookings and stuff and manual booking systems and that sort of thing now I have automated booking reminders so there's no miscommunication between me and clients billing that submits directly to medical aid with the previous practice didn't, it didn't suit their business model and that was fine but now it made me a lot more streamlined and I can focus on what I am good at
0: How much automation do you have in your business? Because you've got the booking system
1: Yeah, so people can book externally they can access the site through the link or search or whatever on Google or through my website there's a link on my website as well mm. where people can make a booking and then i just need to accept the booking but i do once a week i set up all my bookings for the following week and Mm. then those send out the confirmation and the reminders okay so my bookings are automated um i don't do so much automated invoicing i set manually capture my invoices and then i have sage which is connected to bank feed so that automatically downloads my uh, expenses and stuff from my business account. Okay
0: I'm still kind of completely manual on the the invoicing side um so So I'm just more automatic. Yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) so I tried to do that initially when I started and I think it took me maybe three months and I was just like, this isn't working. Well, I was, it was okay, because actually I suppose I started with that for the first year before I started my own practice, but knowing after the first year that if I see any more than one one or two patients a day, mm. it's gonna mess me up. Because there were just too many things. I think also because of the medical aid billing that made it quite complicated. And You've gotta have all these procedure codes and diagnostic codes and all of that just made it a little bit more complicated. And the, the date stuff was quite specific and medical aid details and ID numbers and stuff that all have to feature on the Excel spreadsheet. I just, it was too, not complicated, I could do it, but it just, I felt like it took me too much time. So now everything is done through SAGE, and that saves me a lot of hassle and time. Um, It's a little bit complicated because I have SAGE, and then I have my Elixir Live software, which does the medical aid building. I kind of have a little bit of a duplicate, but it works. Because now the Elixir Live system submits directly to the medical aid, so there's no following up and chasing medical aids, or people, and why they haven't paid, and stuff, because I'm not so good at running after people for money. Yeah. I <laughs> haven't paid, but it's fine, you feel bad, for us. So the, With medical aids, it's a bit easier and then there's like SMS automation or email automation to say, oh, you haven't paid your bill, this is how much is outstanding, please pay it now. Okay, Which is okay. Which also keeps me detached and focused on my job rather yes. than being the debt collector and the person that's now rehabbing you in like nurturing tenderness so (laughs) I I find it's a bit easier to separate that a little bit more for systems
0: What makes your practice different? Like you said there's biokinetics available at the gyms um, and we'll circle back because I want to just delve into how biokinetics differs from everything else that's available so we'll circle back to that but how does your practice differ? You've obviously been quite successful in building your business from working full time for someone else to to running your own business within the space of about a year. what makes yours different that you've managed to build that client base and sustain it and like we've said it looks like it's growing moving forward so yeah. how is yours different from other biokinetics practices
1: I think there's a couple different a couple different areas so for me I like to be quite holistic and I like to equip my patient with a with a program that they can use and be able to take care of themselves going forward so they don't have to rely on me the whole time which is a limitation in my opportunity to make money but it's in the better interest of the the client and the patient and i also do my best to make sure people understand their bodies so the reason i got into the biokinetics field is because i think the human body is amazing so i want people to have that deeper understanding of what's going on inside their bodies and be able to take their health into their own hands so they know oh my back is sore I should do a couple of these stretches or my core must be a problem at the moment because I'm not training it enough and they can take their health into their own hands and, and actually fix themselves and yes. not have to rely on everyone else the whole time whereas some other bios similar to some other physios they just allow people to rely on them all the time and they have to keep going back and then the person is always at sort of the mercy of the other bio and they, they never get to be free and
0: self-sustaining wellness Do you think patients want that though? Um, some
1: patients do um, but I think it's important that the patient has the, the choice and it's and it's similar with, with chiros as well so people keep going back to this chiro or physio because 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 the chiro, physio, the medical professional, the person who's trusting says, no, you need to keep coming to see me two to three times a week indefinitely. Um, And the patient just thinks that they they have no choice. So I think it's the responsibility of the healthcare practitioner to make sure that the patient has all of the options. So I get people coming to me and they've got budget constraints or mm. time constraints, but some people also aren't very good at doing their own exercise. They want somebody there to monitor them and to tell them what to do and count for them so they don't have to think about it. So different people need different things, but I think it's really important that people have the option and they know that they can do it on their own, but they have the choice to continue with a practitioner if they want to, if they feel they need to. And then I think also because I, um, I've got sort of experience and i am of different fields as well i can be a little more understanding so i did my degree in ergonomics and i've done extra qualifications in ergonomics and workplace setup. so it's again more holistic not just treating the problem but it's also treating the person's environment and helping them to see uh, problems in their environment contributing to their Uh, things it's not just coming from internal but they can make external changes which makes it that much more sustainable as well so they their health is improved more longer term.
0: What has been your biggest challenge in, in getting your business off the ground?
1: Definitely getting myself out there. So mm. networking, so you go online and it's, it's also being in a medical profession, there's limitations to how you can market yourself. Advertise, you're not allowed to advertise. So most of our business has to come from word of mouth or doctor's referrals, etc. So getting out there and making connections with real people. I found the networking meetings were sort of useful, but not really that useful so it was it's more the the biggest limitation was getting people through the door and that's what's made the past three months so good Mm. was that i wouldn't need to have so many new patients every month because not everyone's going to stick around Mm. indefinitely they'll come for three or four sessions maybe six to twelve depending on the extent of the problem and then they're gone So if I've got a new patient this month, they might be gone by the end of the month and then I have to have new business for the following month. So getting a couple of new patients and having a couple of chronic patients, the new patients have to come consistently from somewhere, So it was a lot of emailing doctors, visiting doctors, dropping off business cards and that sort of thing. And only recently have I actually seen that translate. So it took a year mm. of putting my, putting my feelers out and letting people know I was around. And one practice, one other practice has actually bitten recently in okay. the past three months. Yeah. And they've sent me like a one or two consistent new patients each month. And that has made such a world of difference because even just the one referral, that person then refers their friend, or at least it increases my Google listing yeah. and stuff. So if they've searched for me on Google, then they know where I am and then it improves my, my rankings. That at least helps.
0: A couple of months ago, we were talking about Google My Business and that kind of thing. So you've, you've got a website and you started setting up all your SEO. Obviously, that's still going. Are you seeing a return on, on Google My Business?
1: I don't think I'm seeing as much of a return on Google My Business, I feel it's definitely relevant having it set up but I don't I don't actually maximise it as a tool. So when I've explored the insights on there I see lots of really useful things that I could implement to improve my listing and stuff I need to add to my website. But at the moment, because more of my referrals come from the doctors, it's not as important for me to to make that change. But that's more from the bioenergetic side of things, from the yoga and the sports massage. If I wanted, if I felt like I was struggling, the Google My Business is so insightful and so useful that mm. if I just followed some of those tools, some of those steps and advice from the site, it would make such a world of difference. And it did make a difference with the calisthenics stuff because I was doing managing the calisthenics business side of things. And when we started to do that, and it was weird because I don't know if it was specifically from the changes we made on the... Google my business, but the more effort and energy we put into doing all that background stuff, people mm. would find us in other ways. So I don't know if that was like a universe thing or, <laughs> or what the story is, mm. but that definitely, definitely helped because people would see it as more of a, like a real business rather than a random people training in the park. But so it gave us a little bit more credibility when people found us online, especially yeah. because that's how most people were looking for calisthenics teams or parks or whatever's a
0: trainer. You mentioned calisthenics now. Most people don't know what calisthenics is. So do you want to just go into that and explain?
1: Calisthenics is bodyweight workouts. So it incorporates anything that uses just your bodyweight, including things like um, martial arts and yoga and gymnastics and parkour and or Pilates even, anything that's bodyweight-based, based is classified under the broad umbrella term of of calisthenics. Um, What we do, what Defiance does specifically is street workout. So it's kind of like urban gymnastics where they do muscle ups and pull ups and basically using the environment and gravity Mm -hmm. to get their workout done. A bit of a we don't need no gym kind of attitude, (laughs) we can train where we are because the world is our gym playground.
0: You took part in the recent SA Championships
1: yeah, so June was the Street Workout and Calisthenics National Champs mm-hmm. uh, where the winners qualified to go to Moscow in July. Okay. I came second. Okay. And then now in September was the World Cup qualifiers. They asked me to be a judge at that because of my experience as a biokineticist in the mm. exercise field and as a trainer for the Defiance Calisthenics team. So they asked me to be a judge and I made history being the first female judge in South Africa. Oh wow. So that was kind of novel and cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had wanted to compete but just with yeah, things had got too hectic I wasn't gonna be fit ready. So when the opportunity to judge came along it was quite quite exciting. <laughs> and the winners from that, the top three get to go to Hong Kong, and they're competing on the 23rd of November in Hong Kong, which is really cool, on the World Cup stage.
0: Uh, Do you know if that's going to be televised at all?
1: It might be televised. There's rumors that it might be on on Supersport, maybe. I don't know if I think that might just be a rumor, but the World Street Workout and Calisthenics Federation Academy, they do live streaming on their Instagram feed. Oh, cool. So that okay. is available for people to watch on the day,
0: Okay. awesome. cool. We'll include a link or something in the show notes mm. for people to... <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, that's on the... In four days' time, so I don't know how long we are going to... Oh, flip.
0: Well, <laughs> let's see if I can get this edited by Thursday. <laughs> so, coming back to biokinetics, what is it? Because I think there's a lot of misconception. People don't really know what it is. People know Cairo, and they know yoga, and they know personal trainers and physios but bio it's not necessarily a new thing but there's kind of a bit of overlap between all of those fields and I think people don't really know exactly what a bio is so do you want to go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah so biokinitis is for within the health within the HPCSA the Healthcare Professionals Council of South Africa so we are registered medical professionals alongside physios, doctors, podiatrists etc obviously within different sub-branches and we are we focus on rehabilitation, more later stage rehab of orthopaedic conditions and certain chronic conditions like cardiac problems like blood pressure, um, obesity, that sort of thing, and then orthopaedic conditions like sprained ankles or knee replacements, etc. Okay. Um, so there's that similarity with physios in, in those orthopaedic conditions. We also deal with neurological patients, so stroke patients and uh, quadriplegia patients, and Um, other kinds of special populations, cerebral palsy, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, biokinetics is a profession where exercises or modality of treatment so anything that exercise can help with we apply in a scientifically and medically backed application okay but then in the in the in the later stage of of rehab Mm. so if you for example sprain your ankle today you'll go and see a physiotherapist quite soon afterwards and they will stabilize and or work on getting the inflammation down if the inflammation is posing a risk and help you get your range of motion back but Following an ankle sprain you'll lose your sense of balance in that area if you're not using the foot or like if you're not walking on it you'll start to lose some of the muscle tone and that can put you at risk for, for, for future injuries and because the muscles work to stabilize the ankle you need to regain the muscle strength in that area as well. After the physio has made you good to go and you can walk on it mm-hmm. you'll come see a bikineticist to re-strengthen, improve the proprioception and balance and stuff so that the joint is not at risk of future injury or snapping or whatever okay. again. Another difference between physio and bios is physios will tend to treat a lot more the area of the pain and the symptoms whereas a, a bio will treat the, the underlying cause. Okay. So if you've got lower back pain you'll go and see a physio they'll massage the area because the, mu- the muscles in the lower back might be spasmed or but you'll see a bio to strengthen the core and and stretch out the muscles which are causing the postural issues which are causing the muscles in the back to spasm in the first place. Okay. So they do they can work hand in hand and the same with chiropractors the Cairo might make an adjustment to your alignment but chances are the alignment issue was caused by a muscle tightness or a muscle weakness. So they'll fix your alignment, but because the muscles are still weak and still tight, they'll pull you right back out again. You can get an adjustment from a chiro, then you can come and see a biokineticist, and they will stretch what needs to be stretched and help you strengthen what needs to be strengthened so that the alignment can stick. So um, there's the overlap in that we treat some of the areas, but there's just differences in the way we treat those areas.
0: The exercises that you do, it seems to be kind of mainly floor-based Pilates, yoga stretching, is it based on Pilates or is it like a completely different field? How is it overlapping?
1: The exercises tend to be similar. If it's a core-related issue. Pilates does work a lot on stability and intrinsic muscles and connecting, doing that brain muscle connection. Mm. So they do work a lot in that field. So it's similar in that ways, but biocinetics isn't limited to sort of just body weight or, or the kinds of equipment that Pilates users. Mm. So I suppose like Pilates wouldn't necessarily do any plyometric like jump squats and proper late phase return to sport kind of exercises if you think about like an ACL replacement in a rugby player necessarily. So Pilates might help you like get your balance back and do some like quad strengthening in the sort of VMO I I imagine, Mm. but they won't necessarily do sort of the lateral and rotational plyometric strengthening that someone needs to return to sport. So there's overlaps in the kinds of exercises that we use because they're good exercises but yeah you don't and you don't always necessarily have to do body weight so my preference is body weight because I want it to be I want the exercise program as accessible as possible to my patients so that they can take those exercises and do them at home without having to Without having the excuse of, oh, I don't have equipment and I don't have this and that. And I think that's also where my calisthenics influence comes in. I, I don't feel like lack of equipment should be a, a valid
0: excuse. Do you still have yoga classes? I have
1: a free yoga class on a Saturday morning in Fairland. So that was started as a way for the calisthenics guys to start to stretch more. Mm-hmm. But it's a sort of... They still didn't want to stretch, so <laughs> It's not none of them actually come to, to my yoga classes. It ended up being more of a community engagement thing, which is really, really cool. So random people walking through the park, seeing us doing yoga in the park, and then wanting to join and participate. So mm. it's my way to, to give back mm. and to meet more people from the community, because I think I feel community is important, and people in our community are important, and nurturing those relationships. And then it does also happen to be a nice way to market and reach out and get people to know me and know my name and stuff most of my yoga is postural based and injury prevention focused Mm -hmm. so it's sort of beginners but still pretty challenging if you need a stretch like if you're a, a runner who's done regular yoga for example you can still get a benefit out of my classes okay. but for the most part the people that attend my classes have like a knee niggle or bulging disc in their, in their neck for example but it's been diagnosed, it's been managed with medical treatment, they just need the stretches and so I work on strengthening the back which tends to be a problem or stretching the back out and doing some core exercises and stuff that might be the cause of their underlying medical pathology
0: What style of yoga do you do?
1: It's based on Hatha but But it's actually, I don't know, biokinetics yoga. (laughs) So where yoga tends to be sort of more single posture focused, sometimes I include some sets and reps in the more pilates style or
0: Mm.
1: normal fitness style. Um, not too much, but just enough to make sure that like, I really target into their lower traps, for example. Or into their pelvic collapse or whatever. Okay.
0: So. There's a lot of yoga online. And me having done martial arts, um, you can learn karate online, you know. Uh, but personally, I don't like that route unless there's no other option. Because mm. it's always good to have somebody that knows what they're doing, standing in front of you and correcting alignment. Because yeah. where you think you are straight, you're actually completely yeah. unaligned. What's your feeling on... Because you've got a YouTube channel and you do a couple of exercise videos and that kind of thing as well. So obviously there, there is a place for it. How do you feel YouTube exercise videos fit into somebody's lifestyle if if you will yeah
1: i think it can be a good place to start but it depends on what you're looking to achieve and also if you have any underlying issues mm. so uh, if you're self-diagnosed i think it's a very dangerous place to start if you're looking for like medical help you think oh I'm, i've i got pain in my back i must have a bulging disc therefore i'll look up random exercising for bulging discs and you could be making the problem worse because it's not actually a bulging disc and it's some other kind of degeneration through the spine and bending mm. in that way is going to make it more aggravated. So I think it can be dangerous, but I think if people are making the time to look after themselves, I think it's not the worst thing in the world because they're at least taking the time out to to move more. I feel like that's one of our biggest problems as a, as a society at the moment and one of the biggest causes to our issues is that people aren't moving. So I also get asked a lot about like CrossFit. Um, and whether I think it's a good or a bad thing and I actually yes it can generate a lot of business for my field (laughs) but that's because people don't listen to their bodies, or people just get gung-ho getting caught up in the in the frenzy, but the thing is people go from not having exercise to doing stuff like that, and if they're doing it in a good environment, it's such an awesome way for them to get into exercise. Most of the time they might not even stick it out, so they'll start exercising, realize it's a bit too intense and five, six times a week is a bit much for them to commit to, and then they'll sort of shift to doing normal gym, but now they've got a foundation of knowing what they can and can't do, and they've pushed themselves to a basic level of fitness, uh, and that's through the community support and having other people cheering you on and stuff mm. so I think it's really really positive gateway into exercise but obviously it's it's it can be a bit risky if the people that are instructing don't know what they're doing but yeah I'm the same and then YouTube videos are the same so for me I use my YouTube videos as a as a refresher for people's exercise prescription Mm -hmm. so that they remember what the exercise looks like and how they're supposed to do it and then also for some sort of tutorials like I've got one on a pelvic how to do a pelvic Mm roll-up and That's because there's so many little nitty-gritty things through the movement that if I just gave you your program and Didn't explain to you how to do it. It's very easy to compensate and use and use the wrong muscles I that's how I use my YouTube videos specifically for my clients. So it's an online platform where they can access the videos whenever, wherever. And some of the stuff is cross patients. A lot of my patients need to know how to do the pelvic curl, um, so I just direct them to the video. And then they've also got the links for future reference, so if six months down the line it crops up again, Mm. they know that they've got a resource that they know applies to them.
0: If somebody has not exercised or they've returned from injury, how would you suggest people enter back into an exercise regime because there's all kinds of information on the internet. I think the internet is our greatest blessing and and biggest curse at the same time because there's just so much conflicting information on, on the net about, you know, you should be doing this and if you've had a previous back injury, you should be doing that. Obviously, if you're coming back from injury, you need to see a medical professional to get proper direction. But if you have, say, you used to be active and you've spent the last 10 years sitting watching Netflix and drinking beer and you now want to get back into being more mobile, how would you suggest people get back into adding movement to their life?
1: I think it depends on on what their experience was before because they might have been active before but they might have been doing everything wrong anyway so if they're not doing like a proper hip hinge for example and they're compensating with their back years down the line, now they've been spending all the time sitting and they've got like loads of muscle tightness and the glutes are totally inhibited because they've been sitting on their bums the whole time, then when you try and get back into exercise it's going to be more difficult to use the right muscles and the right things. But if you have an understanding of your body and how to do a proper hip hinge and what muscles are supposed to, or when you're supposed to feel which muscles working through what type of movements, then it's, it's not as hectic. So if you don't know how to exercise properly, I would definitely recommend at least doing exercises with youtube in a mirror at Mm. the very least to see if your body position is matching what's going on on youtube or instagram or whatever but obviously a second set of eyes an actual human being to Mm. correct you and tell you how to feel why you're not getting it right would would definitely be helpful so one or two sessions with an exercise professional of some shape or form that definitely knows what they're doing because obviously there's lots of personal trainers out there that don't actually know what they're yes. doing. well I was, that was so going to be the my next one on. <laughs> one, one, how, how reputable you want them to be and how much, uh, I don't know, you pay a cheap designer, you pay an expensive designer, you're going to get different quality outcome so it depends on how, how much you value your, your health
0: <laughs> <laughs> how would people go about finding a decent for lack of a better term personal trainer because yeah. you get personal trainers and you get personal trainers and I, yeah. I find a lot going to gym especially at the beginning of the year when you've got your New year's resolutioners and uh, you walk around the gym and they've the, these personal trainers all standing on their cell phones but they've got these people swinging like 20 kilogram kettlebells and you can see this person You know, I'm not a health professional, I'm not a person trained, but to my untrained eye, you can see that the movement is completely wrong. So how do you go about researching and finding someone that's actually good at what they do?
1: I think if you went to a bioconeticist, in theory, the biokineticist would also know what they're doing. That would be like, we are the exercise professionals, or even a sports sports physiologist, um, or sports scientists would be able to like break it down for you and show you Mm. exactly because you can't even rely on like testimonials or just because he's big and buff doesn't mean he knows how to train you and what's right for you because there's a lot of personal trainers out there that just give you like a generic program because that's what kind of works for everybody so it's it's difficult because you can't go just on people's feedback and obviously if this person looks for you don't know what it took for them to get to that point so you can't assume that it's the result of the personal trainer either i suppose if your personal trainer starts to break movements down and uses relevant cues instead of just chucking you onto a random exercise and can't explain why they're making you do those exercises or can't break down how and which muscles you're supposed to be feeling even if it's just generic, like, oh you need to feel this in the back of your thighs, that's fine they know Mm. what muscles are supposed to be working in that movement, so I think they need to display some form of insight into the exercises and into the movement because otherwise people will just be doing whatever and you you don't have to be qualified to do it too.
0: So yeah, I think that would... So um, I am cognizant of your time. We'll just end off with uh, five quick questions. What does the first hour of your day look like?
1: If I start at five o'clock, that starts with work. (laughs) 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 But um, yeah, I usually... I start most of my days at six Mm -hmm. o'clock. It's get up, shower, teeth, coffee, leave. Mm. Um, with clothes in between of course. <laughs> that part. Um, and then yeah, I get to see my first client of the day and they start with a warm up and then I might train along with them. Only because my current six o'clock is trying to get me to exercise with them. So I'm fine, <laughs> I guess I'll just do some asthma as well. But um so on days where I don't have patience in the morning I'll get mm-hmm. up and have coffee and do accounting, open my Sage and check my banking. When do
0: you take time to exercise yourself then and all the general self-care type of... Yeah,
1: so because I I finish in a fairly early afternoon, I can train in the afternoon, but uh, about for the six months leading up to three months ago, when my mornings weren't that busy, I would see my 6am and then gym because my next patient would only be at like 9 or 10 in the morning or i would see my first patient at 7am so i would wake up at 5 and gym at half past five and be done by six and then shower and get ready for half an hour and then get to my admin prepping for my seven o'clock but yeah i sort of fit it in around around my patients really and then weekends as well so i think weekends are a nice opportunity to be active i do my yoga class on a saturday morning and i might train or go for a run Um, on a Sunday morning, and then yeah, if the afternoons aren't too hot, we'll get around to some exercise in the afternoons.
0: What do you do when you're not working? Or exercising. Or exercising.
1: (laughs) So I like to watch TV, uh, Mm. Netflix, Um, I like to keep it as educational, and I suppose this goes across all the media that that I consume. So I spend a lot of time on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and sort of Netflix. Uh, When I'm I'm watching Netflix, if I'm watching by myself, it'll be something industry-related. So it'll be a documentary about dietary-related things or exercise, like there's one on Netflix at the moment about CrossFit that I'm meaning to watch. I like to keep it as educational but interesting as possible. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm following other physical therapists or exercise professionals or seeing just what's going on in the industry or relevant influences within the field of exercise to just know what my clients might be consuming as well. Facebook is more from a, a networking side of things. So I'm in touch with a lot of the community groups the I heart Northcliffe feeling uh, that sort of thing and again industry related events the women's fit night out or the um, warrior races and that sort of thing tend to be the kind of pages that I follow and so yeah Facebook Instagram Netflix and Pinterest Pinterest oh, yeah, Pinterest is more from the dietary so it's a
0: lot of food and recipes okay. and stuff. <laughs> so it's like half cake and half
1: plant-based, plant-based <laughs> meals what is
0: your definition of success
1: happiness peace Like not feeling over-pressured and not feeling anxious about the next day. I think people should look forward to Mondays. And if you Mm. can look forward to Mondays, then I think that's a good (laughs) success. And um, not worrying. I don't know. Success is being where you want to be but without feeling stagnant and Mm. without feeling like you're not progressing. I think we always need to feel like we're progressing and you're never going to reach a final endpoint of success without needing to grow more but without... Putting undue pressure and stress and anxiety on yourself to do and be and have more.
0: What do you rely on for continued learning? Um, you've mentioned that you spend a lot of time online, um, your Netflix documentaries. I know that you listen to Audible a lot. Yeah. I don't know it if does tend to be
1: more <laughs> fantasy, non fiction. <laughs> um, but every now and then I try to include something semi educational. But it'll be also, I think, it's my Audible account's more leisure based. Okay. So it'll be like I recently listened to. How how does someone who's been found guilty prove themselves innocent after they've been convicted of being guilty? Um, So that was really interesting and that was more about what's going on in the world. Mm. Talking points, topics of random discussion. As a biokinesis we have to accrue a certain number of continuous professional development points over Mm -hmm. the course of two years and there's online platforms for that for medical professionals that that give online courses. Some are free, some are not and then the Biokinetics Association also has like roundtable discussions about like how to treat a neurological patient and you get points for that. So mm. that's sort of what I do as far as my medical knowledge is concerned. Um, every, time, every now and then when I feel a little bit stagnant as far as business goes, I might watch some random Robert Kiyosaki or Simon
0: Sinek for some motivation
1: and inspiration. Okay. But I haven't really done that in a,
0: in a while. No, you've been too busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which
1: is not a good excuse. I feel like it's not something you should um, get complacent with. I feel like I, have, I, I I learned a lot from those, and now it's putting it into practice, and I still know a lot more areas that I can put those that, in, that, that advice into practice, so I don't feel like I've maximized my full potential with what I've learned so far mm. yet, when I feel like I've maxed out. Then I'll, I'll go back to building some okay. of
0: business a bit and stuff. <laughs> this is kind of like a two part question, and you can answer one part or the other or both. So, if you could impart one piece of advice on how to build a successful business or um, be successful in life in general, what would it be? And the second part of that is if you knew then what you know now, would you have changed your journey into self employment?
1: So I think my journey makes sense for me. I think it was really important that I worked within someone else's practice and got a little bit more of an understanding from how they ran things, mm. knowing what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do differently, and which systems I wanted to maintain going forward. So mm. I thought I think that that three-year period of working under someone else's practice and gave me better insight when I did go on my own. I wouldn't change that. And then, what was the first part of the question? Uh,
0: if you could impart one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: Uh, don't get complacent and be consistent in putting yourself out there and maintaining your, your network. Whether it's your referral network or your family and friends. Keep people updated with what's going on in your, in your business and in your life. Mm. Um, and just stay at the forefront of people's minds. Okay. Consistently, even if things are busy because Yeah, taking that time off now because things are too busy means that when it's not busy anymore You have to use that time and you're going to be delayed Yeah, more. it's
0: gonna go in a, a massive spike and then you yeah. drop off <laughs> Yeah,
1: so find ways that, that help you maintain that.
0: Okay, cool. Where can people find you? Uh,
1: yeah, I've got a YouTube channel where I post some um, rehab related videos um, or some uh, yoga related videos
0: is that on the same channel yeah okay yeah,
1: so that's all on the same channel at the moment i have a facebook i've got two facebook pages because my biokinetics medical practice is separate from my yoga and sports massage and mm-hmm. general wellness so there's ketogenic and biokinetics is my as my main focus mm-hmm. and then defines kinetics on instagram but that might be subject to change Soon, okay. in the new year. Okay. Physically I'm in Northwold and in January we're moving premises mm-hmm. to life, just behind Lifestyle Garden Centre so okay. that's very exciting a little bit bigger so that'll be nice. And then yeah I've got websites. The <laughs> <laughs> ZA is the is going to be Forever consistent, and that will be my sort of core business and core focus, into my future until I have a midlife crisis. Yeah. <laughs> Biogmetics forever, and um, so. yeah,
0: by Bio Harley and um, yeah, no,
1: definitely. definitely. definitely.
0: <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat to me. I've I really enjoyed our little chat, and I will pop all your links and so on in in the show notes, and hopefully awesome. people enjoy listening as much as I've enjoyed chatting to you. Yeah,
1: and learning. Yes. Oh, thank you for the
0: opportunity to teach people about fire. <laughs> it's a big pleasure. Thanks cool. very much. Follow the Business of Podcast on my website megamillist.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamelist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy. M-E-G-A-M-D-apostrophe-A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.